We forecast prices and fundamentals. Whether you're a trader, producer, or consumer, you can hedge your bets with Montel's diverse forecasting portfolio. Contact us at salesatmontelnews.com for more info and a free trial. Hello listeners and welcome to the Montel Weekly Podcast. Bring your energy matters in an informal setting. This week we look at Germany. The country will close its final nuclear plant in 2022 and has plans to exit coal by 2038. Can it do both and keep the lights on and without a massive rollout in renewables capacity? And later this year there's an important election coming up which could mark a change in direction for Germany's energy policy. To help me answer these questions is Konstantin Lenz, who is Professor of Energy Economics at Erfurt University and was also Business Development Manager at Volu, formerly Watsite. Konstantin has many decades of experience in energy wholesale markets in Germany and beyond, so I'm sure he'll be able to enlighten us about what's happening in his home market and also the outlook for the coming years. So a warm welcome to you, Konstantin. Thank you, Richard. Thank you very much for the invitation and for the opportunity to speak with you today about these hot topics in a way. Absolutely. You know, we've known each other for about 20 years, so it's a pleasure to finally have you on on our pod. So um, how's life in Berlin at the moment? It's very much corona-driven. We have this kind of lockdown here, so working from home, also doing, for example, my lectures online, so third semester now. I mean, somehow life is, is going on and the energy market is, is also, topics are, are there. But if you drive through the streets, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, the rush hour is not a rush hour anymore. I mean, it's not that there are no cars. It's not like one year ago, but there are nearly no, no traffic jams, for example. Meanwhile, I must say, we have this situation for a year now, which is in a way unbelievable. I mean, we have this exceptional condition like for one year. And everybody hopes that this ends soon, that we all can go to our summer holidays. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and also maybe start to, to meet people again, you know, in, uh, in the not too distant future, rather than on, on, on these screens, Constantine. But um. What's this we hear about a bridge lockdown in Germany? Could you tell us a little bit about that before we go on to the en- energy market? Yeah, that's a proposal of uh, Armin Laschet, who is a potential chancellor candidate, which is discussed at the moment in Germany to have some kind of stronger lockdown over, let's say, the next weeks until we have a stronger vaccination that we are in the third wave now, probably more in the beginning, and that this will not increase further on. We have at the moment numbers which are below them what we have seen in January, but definitely with an increasing tendency. And do you see much of an impact going forward on on the German economy and on on, on the energy market as a whole? Yeah, I mean, if, if you see the economy at the moment, I mean, most companies... With offices, people work in home office. At least, I don't know, in in some companies, nobody is in the office. In some companies, 50% are there. But the industry is still producing. So everybody who is not able to do home office is on his workplace. Of course, restaurants are closed. 
you know, we have this situation with the 16 states in Germany, this federal system, and every state does something different. I mean, of course, the supermarkets are open. Here in Berlin, for example, a lot of shops are open, but you need a Corona test from the actual day in order to go shopping, <laughs> which at least for me is um, not a practical solution to go, let's say, if I want to go 15 minutes for shopping to have, I don't know, one or two hours effort for a test. Even if I heard, for example, that some shopping malls, they are offering now the possibility of testing yourself before you're entering the office. So there's a lot of uncertainties in these corona situations. And it is in Germany a bit difficult with these 16 states and Partially every state is, is doing something on its own. Sounds very, very confusing. Let's get more on to sort of energy matters, Constantine. One of the big parts of German policy, one of the drivers for the market is the coal exit, or so the plans to exit from coal-fired power generation by 2038. What, what's the status there at the moment? How, how do you view current developments? We have seen just last week the tendering of the Bundesnetzagentur, of the regulator, for three more coal power plants leaving the market end of this year. So the coal decommissioning law, the legislation work is done. The Bundesnetzagentur does these tenderings at fixed dates and we have a fixed schedule for the lignite power plants. So there is for every lignite block in Germany, there's a dedicated end date as we have it also for the nuclear power plants. However, we have, and this is what we wanted to discuss also today, a question, security of supply. We have seen some cold winter weeks, and if you see German press, German newspapers, there are more and more articles about security of supply and questioning this, is that going to work. One article, for example, was about the hard coal power plant of Haydn in North Rhine-Westphalia in western part of Germany, which was supposed to switch off at the end of last year. But due to security of supply, it was in January and February six times reactivated. And you remember we had this cold wave in February with a lot of snow and really cold temperatures. These facts like this one coal power plant or another coal, coal power plants I read, another article was at least reactivated two times. So it seems there is in this severe situations with cold spell, no wind, no sun. We are already now in a situation that coal power plants, which are supposed to be decommissioned, have to be reactivated. And we lose until end of next year, another eight gigawatt of nuclear, plus also several gigawatt of coal capacity. So what you're saying is there is a very clear threat mm. of a supply squeeze or a lack of capacity, because when it's cold in Germany, it's also cold in, uh, in the neighboring countries. Exactly. And we had this uh, panel discussion last year in Dusseldorf on, you know, on the German Energy Day, where I said, we see security of supply as endangered. And today, I would say, I see it severely endangered. And very interesting is there was a report from the Federal 
audit office, I think it was on 31st of, of March. And it has an interesting sentence. And I translated that sentence into English and I would just uh, would like to read it. Of course, yeah. So it's the translation from the German. The assumptions of the Federal Ministry of Economics and Energy for the assessment of the dimension of security of supply on electricity markets are partially unrealistic or due to current political and economic developments outdated. Monitoring of the dimensions of supply reliability and system security is cheeky. The Federal Audit Office expects the Federal Ministry to have a consistent system of indicators and thresholds that fully encompass all dimensions. Only in this way it can identify dangers to security of supply early on and take appropriate countermeasures. In order to understand, I mean the Federal Audit Office. This is Federal Office, which usually complains about waste of tax money. So usually they are more on money and tax expenses. And that it is really remarkable that this Federal Audit Office is taking care of security of supply. I have never seen something like that before, also for, for other sectors. So this is unprecedented that the Audit Office is basically telling the ministry that their assumptions are wrong about the market conditions and the outlook. It's a veiled threat that there could be a, a capacity crunch then, you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. Is it likely that the lights will go out or is it just likely that you know prices will spike to very high levels over a sustained period of time? I mean, we do these fundamental simulations and we see really challenges of what our simulation program calls unserved energy. So, of course, our fundamental model is embedded in the European system, but in, let's say, cold winter situations, we used the year 2005 and six, for example, which had a really cold winter, also cold winter in the neighboring countries. And there we see for, yeah, let's say the winter 2023 and winter 2024, for example, with a cold spell as we had it in these years, we see situations where the last power plant in Germany is running and there is still unserved consumption. So what would mean some kind of, I don't know, switch off of some electric consumers? Of course, this has some factors, but if we see we had this type of winter in the last 20 years, we had this four times. So what would mean a probability of 20%. In addition to avoid that, we see a need of 18 gigawatt new gas power plants to be built until 2030. Plus some also capacity to be built in other countries. I mean, doesn't really matter in which countries partially you you build these as long as there's enough cross-border connection. This gap, but uh, would you have a number of the amount of uh, you know consumption that isn't served? Are we talking two gigawatt, five gigawatt? How big is that gap? You mean in 2023, 2024? Yeah, yeah. Up to four gigawatt okay. in Germany. That's substantial. But 18 gigawatts of gas fired plants. I mean, who's going to build these at the moment? I mean, the economics just aren't, aren't there. Building gas fired capacity is pretty, pretty much off the table in many countries without 
some form of subsidy or remuneration scheme, as we're seeing, you know, Belgium struggling to get it through, you know. So is this something that maybe uh, that Germany needs to reconsider, do you think? Germany has to reconsider it. And uh, these power plants, they have to start to be built soon. I mean, if you see such a project, I mean, this could be simple open cycle gas turbines, which run only in these specific some hours where these challenges could occur. This could be, of course, uh, also some CCGTs. I mean, somehow these capacities have to be replaced, which disappear with the nuclear and coal decommissioning. But you're right. Nobody is willing to build that. And in my opinion, it will be necessary to establish some kind of capacity mechanism. I mean, in Germany, we have already these different types of strategic reserves already with a grid reserve and capacity reserve and lignite reserve. But I see there must be some incentives to build these new capacities. Isn't there an alternative way of looking at it? You'd say, okay, with this prospect of very, very high prices over a sustained period, wouldn't that be an incentive maybe for batteries, for other types of storage or for demand side response, you know, wouldn't there be other some other mechanisms that could come in and help alleviate that supply deficit? I have this discussion often and I mean this was already the intention of this energy market 2.0, which was I think even published by the last government in this white book, that price spikes should incentivize new capacities. The challenge which I always see is you are an an investor and I tell you as analyst, we will have some significant price spikes in the next years so that your investment will be profitable. Mm, Okay, would you make a multi-million investment based on that? And even if I'm very convincing and convince you and all the other Stadtwerke or utilities then these price incentives will not occur because there is enough capacity in the market. The same with batteries. I mean, batteries at the moment, they are only profitable within the primary control reserve. And that will probably also stay a while. But a lot of batteries are the debt of the batteries because the more storages you're building, the lower will be the spreads between day and night and so on, for example. The cannibalization effect. Absolutely, yeah. Mm -hmm. There is a cannibalization effect. And that's why I see this really from the psychological point of view, this incentive with price spikes as really critical. Because in my opinion, the uncertainty for an investor is too high. I think you've made very clear some of the, the flaws or the challenges in current policy or current policy thinking, uh, Constantine. But if we get on to to current conditions in Germany, there's an election looming. I mean, do you think, is there much of a discussion around this uh, supply security in the election? Or do you expect it to become a topic in the months to come, in the run-up to September? Hard to say. At the moment, also due to all this corona, also the political parties are behind. I mean, if you see at the moment... The Social Democrats and the Greens, they have published a draft for an election program. The Christian Democrats didn't yet, also the Liberals didn't yet publish a program. And I looked yesterday into the Green 
draft because it has still to go through the party assembly. But they write there, they want to establish a capacity market. I mean, the program is not very concrete in many aspects. So um, it's not that there are concrete steps described in the program. You find more general declarations what we would like to intend to do, but not what are the steps to get there. It's always about the details, isn't it? How yeah. you get the specifics done. So exactly. it's, it's fine to have sort of general objectives. And that's uh, interesting that they, uh, they are touting the capacity market, of course. But what would you, I mean, currently what the Greens are the second biggest party in Germany. I mean, there's quite a development over the last sort of 10, 15 years from being a marginal to now the second biggest, as far as I see from the polling uh, numbers. So they seem to be challenging the Christian Democrats, the CDU, at the moment. Before I go on to maybe what what kind of coalition one can expect or how the future government would look like, or even a a Green Chancellor, we're seeing the Greens are, you know, they have a majority in the government in Baden-Württemberg, don't they? And uh, that hasn't led to the lights going out or a massive expansion of renewables. The the car industry in the region is still going very strong as far as I can see. So they haven't been, they haven't sort of made uh, energy policy or threatened supply security as far as I can see. Yes, that's right. I mean, also in a federal government, the Greens would have to face somehow the reality uh, and the practicabilities. I mean, there are certain assumptions what could happen. I mean, if you see on the current polls, you are right. The CDU lost significantly in the last weeks due to the corona crisis management. However, most probable is at the moment a coalition of Christian Democrats and Greens. So, and then is with the question, okay, what will be the compromises they will take? Let's assume we will get this kind of government, maybe with a, I would assume, a Christian Democratic Chancellor Markus Söder. Let's take this scenarios. There are, of course, other scenarios also possible, but it's maybe a bit too much just, just for the time we have. <laughs> of course. The Greens, of course, they want to bring the coal decommissioning forward. So they want to get out of the coal electricity production by 2030 which, of course, would mean we need even more gas power plants. They even also see that in their election program, and they state, okay, if we take natural gas production, it has to be hydrogen ready, which I think is not a problem because I think the, the new generation of gas turbines is anyway able to use hydrogen. So you see, they see that necessity also there. What the Greens will try is that the national CO2 price will get higher in a shorter time horizon as it is in the legislation at the moment and will try to reduce that renewable energy device which is on the electricity price. So in order to yeah, bring sector coupling forward, in order to make electricity cheaper in order to make it more attractive for electric vehicles, heat pumps, and so on. I think this is something what probably the Christian Democrats will go with. So they say, okay, we increase the CO2 price, we reduce the electricity costs across some kind of cross-subsidizing. I think this will probably happen then. However, they would like also to make PPAs, for example, more popular for the financiation of renewables. 
there will probably some money subsidies spent for hydrogen. But still, if they want really the coal decommissioning until 2030, we don't need only 18 gigawatt of new gas power plants. We, I haven't calculated the numbers, but I would expect we need something like 30 gigawatts at least, maybe even more, probably even more. This is a major challenge. As we mentioned, no one's really building gas fire plants and without certainly without subsidies. So the question is, how, how would that be financed? I mean, even you know, building 18 gigawatts is probably challenging enough, and, but up to 30 and beyond is, is, uh, is incredibly expensive. And would you then just put a levy on customers' bills? Instead of the renewables levy, you'd have a gas-fired levy, which seems to be sort of turning things on, on, on their head slightly. Yeah, they will call it the security of supply, Levi. <laughs> no, but you're right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it is really, you need incentives for investors. So it could be with some kind of, again, a subsidy system as we have it for the renewables, but then we are really in a, in a state economy or we need a capacity market again, a real capacity market where you have to secure your electricity deliveries as an electricity supplier with certificates of security of supply. I mean, that was proposed by the BDEV, I don't know, five, four or five years ago already. So the models are there. Yeah, the Association for Energy. But do you think then the Greens, what kind of ministerial role would they get in, in a government? Could they have the economic Ministry of Economics and Energy, for example? Is that likely? Yeah, or it could be maybe that there is an eco- uh, ministry of... Uh, environmental and energy mm-hmm. and the economics is separated from that again i mean it depends also a little bit on the relation in percentage wise between these two parties i mean if you see on current polls i mean the cdu is at around 27 percent and the greens are around 23 percent so more or less same size i mean if this changes and the cdo goes again up to 35 percent let's say and the greens back to 18%. They are, of course, not able to get a large number of, of ministries. I mean, usually it is if you have a two-party coalition in Germany, one party gets the finance and the other party gets the economy. Hard to say. I mean, it is not that the Greens have really a dedicated finance expert. Maybe they go for the economy because I think from their from the targets they want to realize they could make more in the economics ministry than in the finance ministry. And then the CDU says, okay, you want to spend a lot of money, but we have the financial (laughs) minister (laughs) who gives you the money or not. Maybe that could be some kind of of compromise. They hold the purse strings. But I mean, there's a long way to go. And, you know, before we can see what kind of bargaining position, you know, either parties could Mm. have. So, but I think, Constantine, we'd very much like to, to invite you back later this year, hopefully when we get a little bit more back to normality, maybe when you, you know, you'll be uh, calling from a traffic jam. And, uh, <laughs> but I think um, because, you know, there's a lot of leeway here for, for germ policy and obviously, you know, a lot of changes that could occur. So, yeah. so once we get more clarity, I think it'd be very good to invite you back and discuss this a bit more further. But in the meantime... Thank you very much for being a guest on the Montel Weekly Podcast, Constantine. Thank you very much, Richard, and uh, all my regards to the whole Montel team. Thank you. Thank you and goodbye. Goodbye. So listeners, you can now follow the podcast on our own Twitter account, aptly named the Montel Weekly Podcast. Please direct message, any suggestions, 
questions or you know let us know if you if you think you have a good idea for a guest on the show you can also send us an email to podcast at montelnews.com lastly remember to keep up to date with all that's happening in energy markets on montel news you can subscribe on apple podcasts and spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from thank you and goodbye